0: Good evening and good morning to Fiona in New Zealand.
1: Hi, would Hello. you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, um, I am Fiona. I am originally from the UK, from London, um, but I now live in Auckland in New Zealand, where I would say the sun is shining because it's springtime, but it's not. It's absolutely pissing it down. Uh, it's a bit of a monsoon today. I write a cosy mystery series for HarperCollins, which is set in Cornwall, bizarrely, um, being a Cockney who now lives in New Zealand. Where else was I going to set my books? Um, yeah, I like to have a good laugh, which is why I'm doing this. And I now appear to have something in my eye. So if you just carry on. To- <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, sorry, really. <laughs> Oh, Have I made you cry already? I
0: know. Look,
1: I'm sobbing. You're so mean to me, Donna.
0: <laughs> ah, this is nothing.
1: <laughs> oh, oh God, oh, I'm scared now. <laughs> right, I'm okay. I think I've got hay <coughs> fever because like I said it is springtime, and um, despite the fact that it's pouring with rain, the pollen count is really high this morning, so I might sneeze a few times, but. Oh that's fine. We'll work around that. That's fine. Work around it. If if I'm sobbing, you haven't upset me. If you've upset me, and there'll be rude hand gestures, so you'll know, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I'll try not (laughs) to. (laughs) Excuse me. Um,
0: Right. So did you always know that you wanted to write? (laughs)
1: Um I kind of I always did write. I always used to write short stories and things when I was a child. But I don't think I ever really looked at it as a, as a career option because, you know, if you're growing up in South London, you, yeah, you people like me don't become novelists, do you? You know, it's you end up working in a shop or something. So um, I, I had my um, sights set on a far more realistic and achievable career in that I wanted to be an actor. So, <laughs> you know, bizarrely. But uh, no one would ever cast me. I went and did drama at university and uh, I, I realised then that it wasn't really for me, uh, not the, the life of being a glamorous leading lady, because obviously, you know, Hollywood would want this phase. Um, So I thought, you know, no one's going to cast me. I might actually try just writing my own stuff and I can't write anything serious, so comedy. So I started off, I actually started writing... Um, I started off writing like stand up material. I really wanted to do stand up comedy. So I wrote all this material, and there was um, the BBC New Comedy Awards. And I said, You just had to send them a tape of your material. So I sent them this tape on the Monday. And on the Wednesday, they rang me up and said, Oh, we've got your gig on Friday. And I thought, (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, fine. And um, so I went along with this gig, and it had, The headliner was Al Murray, the pub landlord. And it was it was massive. And it was the first time I'd ever done a gig. And you know, I would rather have a hysterectomy than ever do stand up again because it was so scary. It was terrifying. Um so yeah, so after that I started writing sitcom pilots and things, and that kind of I got I had quite a few meetings with um production companies and quite big ones but it just didn't get any further. And then started writing screenplays and just, it was all more to do with having stuff on the screen. That was always more my focus than rather than books. <laughs> and it was only when I'd kind of, I'd started getting some interest in my screenplays, but again, it never got anywhere. And there was this particular screenplay, Dead in Venice, that I loved. And my friend and fellow writer, um, Carmen Radke bullied me <laughs> into writing it as a novel because she just said it would work really well as a book so I'd never actually wanted to write a novel because there's too many words and know um, it's just a bit scary I sat down and wrote that using the script as a, an outline and that was it I was just absolutely hooked then on on writing prose and writing novels and that was it so that was when I decided at the age of 48, I think, 47, 48, that I was going to be a novelist. So that was it. <laughs> a late bloomer, shall we say.
0: <laughs> a lot of people um that I speak to seem, you know, some people don't start right into their 60s. So if you're quite mm-hmm. kind of young in comparison, it's fine.
1: <laughs> I'm very youthful or immature. I'm not sure which one it is.
0: <laughs> um, I find. Yeah. immature is boring
1: <laughs> exactly he to i've never tried it
0: i've never tried being mature
1: <laughs> i wouldn't recommend it honestly it is like seriously overrated don't do it <laughs> I, th- I don't think i could
0: literally don't think i'm capable
1: <laughs> i'll do it nah, you don't
0: want to do that <laughs> no i'm not going to try it anywhere unless i absolutely have to i suppose but i don't plan to <laughs> even at work they leave me in nah. charge, of fools, and I'm not mature then either.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you've got to have fun, haven't you? Really. <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you're getting sidetracked. Books, we're here for books. Books, books, yes. <laughs> books, yes, all <laughs> <Or> about you. <laughs> oh, yes, oh, yeah. That's enough about you. Let's talk about me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is not about me at all. Peaky <laughs> <laughs> Buggers keep turning it back on me and I'm done. <laughs>
1: Well, see how you like it.
0: This, yeah, I had a Q and A in my Facebook group the other day. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. they did ask me some questions. <laughs> I was no. expecting that.
1: No, that's it. Well, we we all love you. We're not going to make you feel awkward. <laughs> Be kind to me. <laughs> um. So, um, how many books have you written so far? <laughs> um. Right. So far, I have got uh, i've written three that i've self-published so that's dead in venice and the follow-up murder ahoy and then another standalone called um, falling in louvre which came out in july and then i've written four so far for harper collins um three of which are already out and um the fourth one is out at the end of november it's my attempt at a Christmas book, but of course it's me, so it's got murder in it, because um, nothing says festive spirit like a gruesome death, does it really? Um, and then I've got two more to go at the moment for HarperCollins in the same the same series, so, so how many does that make? <laughs> um, seven so far, and two more to come. Yeah. Oh, and, one, and one that I haven't published yet, but, you know... We're getting there, working on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and how did the
0: deal with HarperCollins come about? That's pretty cool.
1: Well, I um, my I have a fantastic agent, Lena Langley, and um, she took me on because of Dead in Venice. She absolutely loved it. And I was talking to her actually the other day and she was still saying then how much she loved that book. And um, But it was quite a difficult one to get published because it's kind of a rom-com but it's also quite a gruesome murder. Um, so it's like a serial killer romance kind of thing, um, which is not your usual, which I hadn't thought of when I wrote it, but there you go. So it kind of ended up, I mean, Audible published it, but then I couldn't get another like print publisher to, to, to take it off. Um, but so it ended up, ended up really being more like a kind of a writing sample that we sort of showed around to people. And lots of people loved it, but they didn't take it on because they didn't know what it was. But HarperCollins, um, they were looking for someone who could write a kind of a crime, a funny crime series, like a kind of a cosy mystery series. And although Dead in Venice wasn't exactly cosy because of the level of gore, and there's a hell of a lot of swearing in it as well, (laughs) um, which is not allowed, really. Um, they, I think they saw that I could potentially write something like that. And also as well, I'd written the sequel to it and I'd written this other book, Falling in Louvre, uh, which, you know, was just sort of sitting on my laptop waiting for something to happen with it. So they knew I could write quickly, which was what they wanted, someone that can write a series and write it quickly. Um, because... Cozy mystery readers tend to kind of be, when they discover a new series, they're quite sort of voracious. They'll read the first one, then go out and buy all the others, hopefully. <laughs> That's the plan. Um, so, yeah, so we had, we had a discussion. We had a, I had a Zoom meeting with one of the editors there. And she told me the sort of thing they were looking for. And we basically just brainstormed um, in this meeting something that I could write for them. So I then went off and wrote an outline for book one, the first couple of chapters. And then I gave them a load of terrible punny kind of titles for other books in the series, potentially. And they loved it and they got me to hired me to write them. So that was that was cool. I mean, it wasn't anything that I'd intended to write, really. Um, but it was. And then they say about people writing to the market and that sort of thing. It kind of is a case of that. They say these are the things that are really popular. But having said that, it, I, I absolutely love the series. I love the characters in it. So it's not like, it's not just a purely cynical way <laughs> to sell books. It's just like quite a good starting off point. You know, the, and it's, it's nice to, read, to write something that people might actually read. <laughs> so so that, that's good. But yeah, it all started off from the first book really being kind of used as a, a writing sample. So let <laughs>
0: um, If you were to be picked up and placed in one of your books, which book would you choose?
1: Ooh. I think... I actually think it would be that first one again, Dead in Venice, because... The main character in that Bella, she's <laughs> she's in her late forties. She's from South London. Um, she's a crime writer, although I'm a very successful crime writer, more so than I am. Um, <laughs> she swears a lot. <laughs> she loves Italian food um, and sex, and um, and she goes to Venice, which is my favourite place in the entire world. So um, yeah, I think it might. It might have to be there. It might have to be that book.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Um, Do you hide secret jokes and
1: messages or Easter
0: eggs in your books?
1: Yeah, kind of. I'm trying to think of one. I know I have done it, but it will be, there will be references to things, I think, that people have, like, kind of, my generation will get maybe not everyone <laughs> else will but but they're not so ridiculous that someone else reading it will go what the hell is that all about so it's probably more rather than kind of Easter eggs it will be references to things that like maybe TV shows that I used to watch growing up or I've done things like um in Falling in Louvre the two main characters in that are real um, bookworms. And their favourite book is The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Zafón, or however you say it. And that's my favourite book. So they'll talk about stuff like that that's actually my favourite, you know, and that kind of thing. But, I mean, not... Yeah, I suppose it's kind of an, an Easter egg. If you know me, then you'll know that yeah. it's something that I'm, I really love. So, yeah. Great book as well. I love Shadow of the Wind. The whole series is just amazing. So yeah. Yeah, I just love to write like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame he died.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's tragic. But I mean I would one of the things I would really love to do, um, because I still have these kind of dreams of seeing stuff that I've written up on screen. I would actually love to do the film adaptation of the shadow of the wind because I just think it would look absolutely amazing on the big screen it would be incredible yeah yeah. I'm putting that out there into the universe yep if If anyone's watching then absolutely (laughs) (laughs) I would love to
0: do that it would be amazing yeah and and what a cool book to see made into a film as well it'd just be beautiful wouldn't it? it would absolutely yeah Um, When you're editing, what's the most overused word or phrase that you have to edit out or get shouted at for overusing?
1: (laughs) I think just is the one that I notice. I'm actually quite good now because I'm very aware of trying not to overuse words. But also I have to say as well, people do tend to have words that they use a lot. So I think as long as it's the same character saying that word, even if they say it a lot, it kind of doesn't matter because that's how people speak. <laughs> um, I mean, if you were looking at my dialogue for a whole day, I'd probably say fuck too much. <laughs> so you'd <laughs> want to <start> that. <laughs> but it's just how I speak. So, <laughs> so um, you know, it's sure. not like that really, but... I don't, I don't tend to get, um, when I send my manuscripts in, they're really clean. There's like, I used to work as a proofreader and as a copywriter as well, so all of that makes you really aware of what you're doing when you're writing it, so, and I, I also do that thing that you're apparently not supposed to do, I edit as I go along, so when I start writing, I'll actually go back and read what I wrote the day before, and kind of sort of semi edit it then. So I kind of pick up on stuff like that anyway. So by the time I send it off to my editor, there's not really a massive amount to change. I mean, most of it will be when it comes down to like the line edits, that's like translation where I'm wanting but I do not know the difference between an M dash, an N dash and a hyphen. So I just think, Do you know what? It's my job to actually write the story. Proofreader could sort out all these bloody dashes and put in what they like. So <laughs> I go through and look at all the list of like the track changes, and nearly everyone is they've taken a space out and put a different dash in <laughs> or something like that. Uh, that's, that's actually that's the one thing that they always pick up on is it will be some kind of punctuation thing mm-hmm. that I've. I've kind of done some random, slightly eccentric punctuation and they changed it. (laughs) Yeah, someone
0: tried to explain to me what an m dash was and I'm still none the wiser. I have no clue at all. I didn't know there was such a thing. I mean, seriously, they're all lines. Does it matter, really? (laughs) I mean, I I, guess it does.
1: A hyphen is when you're joining (laughs) two words together. I know that. And then... I don't know the difference between the M dash and the N dash. It's just like, it's a <laughs> dash. Okay. <laughs> it's a black that's... line in the
0: manuscript. Like, surely that's... That. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been pedantic, I reckon
1: definitely
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but that's what they get paid for so it's fine yeah makes them absolutely. you know makes them feel needed I guess
1: yes definitely yes absolutely work creation definitely yeah, absolutely <laughs> well, I am never ever going to learn the difference between those dashes now just to make sure that I keep my my lovely copy editor and proofreader in work yeah So yeah exactly you know, see
0: selfless <laughs> that's all it is
1: Selfless. definitely <laughs>
0: Um, If you were to take one of your characters out for a meal, who would you take and what would you ask them?
1: Oh. Oh, I don't know. I see I might I like Jodie, who's the main character in my cozy mystery series. Um, I think she'd be fun. I tell you, I would actually like to have a girl's night out with Jodie and Bella. Um, because I think, I think Bella would probably get a bit tipsy, um, and end up dancing on the tables. Um, (laughs) Jodie would be the sensible one who'd make sure that, you know, we actually all got home, (laughs) but she'd still be a laugh. So that would be good. And I'd be somewhere in the middle, kind of (laughs) maybe not quite dancing on the table with my knickers on my head, but close, you know, (laughs) so so I think that would be fun. Um... (laughs) That's <laughs> what I'd ask them. Oh, I don't know. That's actually really tricky. That's a mean question. I don't know. I can't think what I'd actually ask them. I think I'd just be so busy having a good time with them. um I could just see, yeah, you know, we'd be in some Italian restaurant somewhere. Definitely just hogging a lot of pasta we wouldn't be the sort of women that go out and prod a salad we'd be yeah. we'd be start main course and a dessert each none of this let's get one dessert and share it no you want a dessert you get one I'm having mine <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's, sod <laughs> off. it's mine get your own so yeah so I think I think possibly we'd be too busy um eating um laughing um yeah and just maybe buying up the men walking by <laughs> but not doing anything about it because we'd all be yeah. scared. <laughs> yeah. rather than having time to have any kind of serious conversations I think we'd just be too busy enjoying ourselves <laughs>
0: Well, it sounds like the type of night where you'd know everything about all of you by the end of it anyway, because you know, yeah. especially when women are drunk, they just overshare everything, don't they? So you'd know oh, yeah. from, from childhood onwards, you'd you'd know everything. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, yeah, that's it. It does always amazed me. Like men can be friends for years. And you say something like, Oh, what happened during oh, such and such? Oh, I don't know. We don't talk about that sort of thing. And I'm like, I like, I've known someone for five minutes and I know all about their hysterectomy operation and, you know, what happened when they were 15. How have you known them five minutes. We've already shared everything. I <laughs> know. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: I spoke to a guy the other day and he's like, oh, I haven't spoke to my friend for two years. Like, two years? Like, Isn't my God, it? if that was a woman, we'd have given up on them by then. We would have assumed yeah. that there was no longer a friendship. And it's like, yeah, it's
1: fine. We'll just pick up where we left off. Well, okay. yeah, I've got a few friends that I can do that with, but for yeah. whatever reason, life kind of gets in the way and you don't talk to each other. But, you know, you sort of message each other. And it is, you're already at that point where you know each other so well that you can just pick up, I think, yeah. where you left off. But, but no,
0: two years yeah. has been <laughs> Oh no, yeah, weird. Men are weird. They say we're difficult. <laughs> um, what was your favourite first as an author? Ooh,
1: I think. Oh, I think actually the first one. It was kind. Of, it was really big. It was great because it was when um, when Audible decided to publish Dead in Venice. It was part of um, this new crime writing um, contesting that they would run, and. I was one of the finalists. We had three finalists and they decided to um, publish all three of the finalists. I knew I hadn't won um, but they decided they were going to announce it all and kind of launch the books at the Harrogate Crime Writing Festival. Um, So I got, they put me up in a really nice hotel, paid for my train fare up there. Um, I also met a couple of friends of mine up there who I, I well, Carmen, Carmen Radke was one of them and um, Jade Bakari, who I talked to a lot online, but I hadn't actually met her in the flesh at that point. They were both going to be there. So I met up with them. They were like my entourage for the day. Um, they, I was a bit overwhelmed by everything. They dragged me around. They made me go and talk to Lee Childs and um, <laughs> Mark Billinger who was one of the judges as well. Um so it was it was all stuff like that because I was just like hey oh yeah, yeah, yeah my book's coming out but they were like no Fiona's book's coming out it's really good <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a memorable a memorable day then so that you know the kind of the first announcement of of my first book coming out that was probably the uh, the biggest and best first for me and it like obviously it really was the first as well so so that, that was fantastic that um, that day in Harrogate has passed into the stuff of legend for, <laughs> for the three of us. And we will never forget it because it was so much fun. It was so good. So, yeah, so I think everything else, even though the, the deal with HarperCollins is, like, is bigger, um, it kind of paled in comparison because I got it when I was over here. Well, I actually heard that I got the deal when we went into our very first lockdown over here. So it was really good timing because it meant great. I've got something to do over lockdown. I've got three books to sit in right now. So so that was great. Um, But it did just mean we couldn't really sort of go out and celebrate it or anything. Um, So it kind of wasn't wasn't quite as exciting. That sounds like really (laughs) ungrateful. But it just wasn't quite as wow in your face as the first one. So
0: yeah, Yeah, I get that. So, having met uh, Lee Child and Mark Billingham, who I love to bit, he's just a nutcase, like just yes. mad. Um, who would be your biggest um, author that you'd fangirl over now if you were to meet them?
1: Oh, let me think. Actually, I think, I mean, one of my favourite writers is Alexander McCall Smith, who does like the number one ladies' detective agency. Um, and he's just so sort of witty and his books are so warm and lovely that's kind of what I aspire to try to write like I don't think I'm quite there yet though um so I think I'd probably I'd probably fangirl a bit over over him if I met him um if I could go back in time and meet Agatha Christie (laughs) I'd have a good fangirl over her as well so those are It's funny, really. I mean, like, Lee Childs, before Harrogate, when I actually met him, I didn't know that much about him. But we went into, there's, like, a pop-up bookshop outside the hotel at the festival, and there was basically, like, a whole wing of this bookshop that was just Lee Childs. And I was like, oh, it's quite a big deal then, isn't it? (laughs) I mean... I was totally, I hadn't read loads of crime novels or anything like that. It was just, I hadn't set out to write a crime novel. It was just how the story kind of ended up. So I'd done no research. I had no kind of book to compare it to. Um, which is probably a good thing, because I probably would have realised I was doing it all wrong if I would read something that he'd written. But um, yeah, so I didn't, I was a bit overwhelmed, but I probably didn't fangirl quite as much as I would have done <laughs> had I known what a big deal he is <laughs> um, and, and Mark Billingham, actually he was lovely because he was one of the judges of the crime writing contest that he'd read my book which does still make me think <laughs> holy shit um but that he was really nice and he was I mean he's just he's <laughs> just him isn't he
0: yeah he just there's no airs and graces with him at all, is there? He's just an absolute loon.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so that was that was nice. That was good. And well, I think when someone's like that, you don't tend to fangirl over them because it is just like oh, it's just another bloke, <laughs> you know. Even though you know he's not because he's done all these amazing books, um, but yeah, he just sort of puts you at your ease. So. Yeah. So it's actually quite lucky that he was so nice and that i didn't realize quite what a big deal lee charles is <laughs> otherwise i would have really made an absolute tick of myself so, <laughs> because <but> I, <didn't. laughs>
0: oh, um, I mean i went to harrogate this year and i loved it but um i've read all lee Child's books i think mm, ish i think there's a few that i haven't the most recent ones because arcs and stuff um but he's f- um, I read his biography that's been written. I was on the blog tour for it. Um, and he loved my review. And then I he followed me back on Twitter yesterday. Ooh, so I was like, can you try to follow me on Twitter? So yeah. That um, a bit of a... Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that.
0: Yeah. So if I ever met him, I'd just I mean I was rubbish at Harrogate. I'm i do not think I'm particularly shy anymore. But when I went to Harrogate, all my confidence just—I just, wouldn't approach yeah.
1: anyone. Rubbish. No. <laughs> I was exactly the same, totally the same. It was only because I had my entourage with me, um, who were much braver than I am. I mean, I—I I wouldn't talk to anybody. I was just like, yeah. You know. I, it's so it's weird,
0: isn't it? Just. But then it's funny because there were two people that were with me that were worse than I was. So in the end, I was like, for God's sake let's just go so then <laughs> yeah. I had to be brave because they would be a wimp so I'm like for god's sake i will just you know let's just go say hi and they ended up interviewing um, Ian Rankin and Bart Billingham, oh, wow. I think so yeah, yeah so it
1: worked out all right for them yeah no that's brilliant <laughs> that's the thing I mean it like speaking as a writer if anyone wants to come and talk to you and say how great your books are and ask you about them, like you're not going to tell them to bugger off. <laughs> you're going to go, oh, yes, great, sit down, let me tell you all about them. <laughs> no, you <Yeah>. can't, <laughs> I haven't finished telling you about all my books.
0: <laughs> yeah. Poor uh, Mark Benham didn't get left alone at all, that I noticed all weekend, except for when he snuck off to have a fag, when he was standing by the... That's <laughs> the <sea laughs> only time, I think, where he was left alone. He's, he's
1: quite there, though, isn't he? Because, I mean... When I was there, he had his hat on and he's always got his hat on. So and he's tall. So if he's it's a right lanky thing, isn't it? (laughs) He's trying to be inconspicuous. It's not working. He needs to try a bit harder. So whereas I'm like middle aged, dumpy, short woman, no one's gonna notice me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm over fifty. I'm now invisible, if officially invisible, you know, when you get to fifty, so it's fine.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> do you get a lot of feedback from readers?
1: Um, I do. We put the um, the Harper Collins books go on NetGalley, so obviously I see the reviews that are on NetGalley, um, and they're not always what I would hope they would be. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there is a bit of feedback on there. In some respects, it's useful because I think a lot of the people that go on NetGalley, are, they're not necessarily into the genre that you're writing. They just see that it's a free book, um, so, you know, they haven't got anything else to read. Let's try that one. Um, and sometimes that works out. Sometimes they go, that's fantastic. I've never read anything like that. Oh, that's a new genre for me. And other times it completely misses them up because it's not what they like. So... And sometimes that can be helpful. They'll come up with something because, you know, they're coming completely new to the genre. And sometimes it's just like they just haven't got it. (laughs) So you have to kind of learn what to pay attention to and what to just ignore. Um, I do occasionally get messages through my website. And I actually... (laughs) In the first... um, in the series of the Cozy Mystery Works in Murder on the Menu, um, Jodie uh, inherits a dog. And it's a female dog. And in a couple of scenes, she takes the dog out to relieve itself. And the dog cocks its leg to have a wee because it cocks its leg up something. Now, I had a few mentions in the review that female le- uh, dogs don't cock their legs when they pee. So I then went on to Facebook, one of the, the writers groups, and I said, I'm sure right? this is a really weird thing, but I'm sure my sister's dog, which was a bitch, used to cock her leg when she went to the loo. And a to of them said, yeah, I've got a female dog. She cocks her leg one of them show, sent me a video with the dog on its front paws and, up, yeah, and they said, yeah, biologically they don't actually physically have to do it like that but they do, some of them do and it's like, it's a kind of personal choice thing so I ignored the feedback that was on in the reviews about it because I just thought, well it, and I actually Googled, honestly I know so much about dogs urinary habits now that like far more than I ever wanted to but I can't forget it now <laughs> like haunted by it and um so I thought just a quick google will show you that actually some female dogs do it's fine it's not an error I had um a couple of emails where people actually took the time to find my website contact me and tell me that I was wrong about female dogs cocking their legs and it's like it's always nice to hear from a reader but like, how bored are you that you had to contact me <laughs> to tell me that? And I just replied with a link to a thing that I'd found on Google that proved that actually some of them do got their legs. It's really like a minor, minor thing. It's not a plot point. I just happened to mention that she's peed up something. <sighs> well, that will teach you apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just so, yeah, just don't ever yeah. mention dogs peeing. No, well, now the dog gets let let out to relieve itself on its own. No-one knows where it pees. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <You know, laughs> whatever. But, um, yeah, so I've had that kind of feedback. I have also had really lovely feedback where people have just said how much they enjoyed it, and that's that's fantastic. So, yeah, that's good. I like that. And do you have lots of water friends? I do. I do, yes, because, I mean, when I... When I first signed with my agent, um, she was with one agency, Kate Nash. So we agencies tend to quite often have sort of Facebook groups just for their authors. So you kind of get to know each other. So I got to know a lot of people through that. And then my uh, Lena moved agencies and I went with her. So then there's more people. Um, and then just talking to people on Facebook. There are so many writers out there. And it is such a good way of getting to know your readers as well. You obviously end up just getting to know other writers too. Also, as well, when I was um, concentrating on screenwriting as well, I went to the London Screenwriters Festival a couple of times, which was fantastic because obviously hundreds of people there they're all writers as well, and it's it's really it's really good because I think I think if you're a writer, it's, it's quite a lonely existence, or it can be. You know, you're just sat at home in front of your computer, listening to the voices in your head and, um, and writing them down. And it's really nice. As supportive as like, your family can be and all that sort of thing, and I'm quite lucky in that mine are, um, they kind of know, oh, she's off again with the fairies, just let her go on with it. Um, not everyone's got that. So it's really good to sort of find your tribe, find your your writers, your people. So, yeah, so I actually know quite a lot of writers now. And it it does mean when I want to read something that I've got this long list of writer friends who have got books out that I haven't got round to yet. So I just tend to read stuff by people I know now as well. So it's good because it means I've always got something that I want to read. Even just because oh such and such wrote that we would like to see what that is so yeah no it's good I couldn't couldn't manage without my life no. it's the same being
0: a blogger I don't remember yeah. the last time I went and got a book to read it's like I've got a list generally it's like I need to read this and this and this and then oh this person is releasing an arc so I need to read that <laughs> yeah. I have no choice like my no. list is decided for me in advance <laughs>
1: That's quite nice. Sometimes, though, I mean, there's so many books out there. Sometimes it is. How do you choose? It is just. Which one do you go for next? That's so I, nice.
0: I flip through my Kindle and like some of the books that I've downloaded. Like, look at me accusingly as I flick past them to find the b- blog tour book yeah. that I need. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to you eventually. <laughs> Wait your turn. Yeah, I'll get round to you. When I'm at 150, it's fine. I'm coming back as a ghost so I can carry on reading. (laughs) I need to get to the end of my TBR. Absolutely.
1: Go and haunt a library or something. That would be pretty cool. I'd have to. I need to finish all these books. There's
0: so many books.
1: (laughs) And there's more coming out. You'll never, ever finish all the books.
0: I know. I suggest to people about having a hiatus for one month where all writers just stop nothing no releases so that you can catch up and we can catch up but apparently yeah. that's not feasible no, uh, I think it's, it's perfectly feasible to be honest but no <laughs> apparently not, apparently not.
1: No, I mean how great
0: work. would that be a whole month with no new books coming out you could go through loads
1: I actually think that's a fantastic idea that's great it gives us then time to finish what we're writing without we well, yeah we can push the deadline out a little bit longer that's
0: good Exactly. it's actually this is awesome but yeah <laughs> a few people apparently that that just doesn't work i get some money and stuff oh, you know yeah. you tried yeah well i mean I'll, I'll keep mentioning it and you know you never know maybe it'll someone will hear and think oh, actually <laughs> <laughs> it, but,
1: yeah. yeah i don't think so, so. <laughs> i think maybe that's, i think maybe that's january where people don't bring so many books out Yeah, well, yeah, because everyone's broke. (laughs) Except, actually, no, my first one came out in... The first one for HarperCollins came out in January, so even that's not right. No, ignore
0: me. It's really funny as well. Last year, when I started doing these interviews, when I'd done them in December, I was rammed, busy. And then when I've released, like, Keep Asking People this year, no one was asking for December. I was like, okay, but now people have started to ask for December, so... Yeah. I just thought it was really odd. <laughs> last year, last December, I was
1: rammed busy doing loads. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think there do seem to be a lot of, I mean, there's always a lot of Christmas books out, but I don't know. I just seem to have noticed this year there's even more than ever, including I'm, mine. First ever.
0: <laughs> Although it's November tomorrow, so there is a point where you can't really deny the existence of Christmas any longer.
1: <laughs> it's God. happening happening whether you like it or not yeah
0: (laughs) um who was your first celebrity crush
1: oh god let me think it probably would have been probably would have been a a pop star who would it have been oh if i see if i mention a pop star now because i'm older Probably it's, right. it's, probably,
0: it's usually the same few people, which I think is really interesting.
1: All right. Well, it would have been, I think the first one would have been, and it was like a very kind of innocent sort of the crush, because I would have been quite young. So it probably would have been Nick Haywood, who was a singer with <sighs> haircut 100, was the band. Many, many moons ago, long, 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 long time ago. Um, Yeah, so that probably would have been my first one. But he was like very kind of um, clean cut and non threatening, I think, which is always good for your first, when you're young, kind of crush. Not the sort that's going to grab you and throw you up against the wall and ravish you. Not that sort of crush, (laughs) which is is more the sort I have now, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, funny
0: as you get older, your you'll taste change slightly. <laughs> I believe I've seen him as well. I believe I've seen him at a festival, Nick
1: Hayward. Oh, right, yes. yeah. Oh, I think lovely. so. He's the sort of, sort of boy you could take home to your mum, and she would have approved, and she probably could have flirted with him as well. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: Yeah, he has come up before, so... Oh, All yeah. right,
1: that's good. I'm not the not the only oldie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, usually it's um, David Cassidy or um, Donny Osmond, so you're, you're oh, not like that a generation old. after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: not that old. That, was, that might have been my sister. Might have been more Donny Osmond, I think. But yeah, oh, we like the Bay City Rollers as well. <laughs> oh my god, um, they've I come think up before as well. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I had a crush on them near them though, particularly. Uh,
0: you know. <laughs> so who was yours then I honestly have no clue I say Jason Donovan because that was kind of my era but honestly I don't remember, I have absolutely no idea <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him as well and he was awesome it was yeah. really funny, I went to um, just like a local festival and um, I was on my own so I was at the front because you know why not and the whole front row by the bar was just all women um, and he was wearing like white jeans and a white shirt. And I remembered all the words, to all the songs, oh, and all the other girls along the front did as well. I was like, oh, uh, this was like the late 80s. How, how do I
1: remember these songs? But it was really, cool. it was really good actually. I think a lot of the 80s songs now, I mean, the, there's a local radio station around here that plays kind of all 80s and 90s hits. If I'm out in the car, something will come on, and it will be a song that I haven't heard for like twenty odd years, and I've not even thought about it. And I will just—I know all the words. They just—I think that era of music, a lot of them were so catchy that the minute it starts, it is just like, oh, I know this one, and you just remember all the words. Definitely, a little bit of aha. I like to dance around the kitchen for that sort of thing when I'm cooking the dinner. That's always good. So.
0: Yeah, can't be it. Although that's the era I was born, which is annoying because I missed like so
1: so many epic music people. That's that's epic. I mean, the eighties is a little bit the you know the decade that time forgot in terms of fashion. Um, It was like you just don't want to. But they're bringing all the fashion back now, which is awful. I was there the first time and it looked terrible. But um, (laughs) but the music was. Fantastic. My son is um 18, and he actually knows quite a lot of 80s stuff as well. Apparently, a lot of his generation quite like the 80s music. So, mum's not entirely sad and embarrassing. You yeah, have most... to work on that. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. To, that's your that's literally your only job as a parent is to just embarrass oh, him completely. So, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. So, I'm not really doing a good enough job because I play music, and he says, "Oh, I like this one." <sighs> Go back to the fifties and sixties, maybe get some Beatles out and some Elvis. Well I don't know. I'm not into that either. So <laughs> that would just be spiteing myself, wouldn't it? Really?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So fair point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. What's your most embarrassing story?
1: Oh God, most embarrassing story. And do I want to share it? Let me think. <laughs> I'm trying to think what it is. Oh, I know what it is. My When I took my driving test, I was so nervous, like everyone's nervous. I was so nervous that when the instructor said, went went to take me to the car, I tried to get into the wrong car. (laughs) Because it was the same car that um, I had at home. (laughs) Um, But I was there in the driving school car. (laughs) And the driving school car had a massive driving school sign on the roof. (laughs) <laughs> and was a different colour and a totally different car and because I was so nervous I just headed for the one that looked like my car at home and, it, <laughs> and there's a woman there trying to get into it as well <laughs> and she was like what are you doing my car!" and I went oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was so nervous and it was like and I think after that I thought oh well I've failed there haven't I and I didn't I passed first go so I think I got all my kind of nerves out at that point and just thought, bloody idiot, <laughs> you know, you've ruined it already. Just the but that was quite embarrassing. Um, I can't think of anything more embarrassing. If there was anything more embarrassing, um, I've kind of blocked it out. Uh, <laughs> and it will only come out under hypnosis or after counselling or something. I've just managed to forget it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So. <laughs> yeah that's the trouble isn't it? it does you do tend to try and block these things out quite lightly?
1: I, I, yeah. I don't want to go over my past embarrassing mistakes <laughs> yeah. yeah someone asked me that my group
0: I'm like I don't know I was born I've got to this age just take anything in between <laughs> and you got a story there'll be, yeah there'll be something somewhere but yeah I shared one of my least embarrassing and someone's like is that your most embarrassing god i've got a worse story i'm like oh god yeah i've got worse stories i'm just not sharing them."
1: (laughs) i'm not stupid i'm not telling everyone
0: i I mean i've got plenty to choose from so you know you're gonna have to get through quite a few before you get to the real (laughs) oh dear (laughs) we'll
1: have to come back and have a whole new conversation about that
0: Alcohol may have to be involved. I'd actually yes. no, it probably wouldn't. I'm serious. Honest anyway. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love doing it. It's, it's especially like telling guys funny to pee and stuff. Because It makes it really awkward. So it's really funny. i like, what? <laughs> you. So then I don't want to annoy them. Like,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, if you were to travel to any period in time, either forwards or backwards, where would you go?
1: Ooh, that's a difficult one as well. Um, I think... I think, like I was saying before, it would be really good to go back and meet Agatha Christie. Um, so I think that would be really cool. And that's, like, a really cool time period as well, isn't it? I mean, like, be what, the 1930s or whatever. So cool clothes, um, fancy cars. I have to say, wherever you travel back, if you travel back in time, actually probably to an in time as so well, you would definitely want to travel back to a rich person's experience at that time. Um, you wouldn't want to go back and be poor, definitely, because it's always pretty crap. But yeah, I think probably like the 1930s, go somewhere, you know, have a bit of a... ...in time in London. Maybe uh, get Agatha out on the town, have a little chat with her, find out what she's going to write next—that sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, if she was feeling a bit down, I'd say, well, you know, in years to come, people will still be reading your books, and there'll be lots of uh, film and TV adaptations of your work. So, yeah, just yeah. just keep going. Fine. You're on the right line. Don't worry about it. That would be cool. I'd like that. Yeah, in a way it's
0: a shame Like, because I do quite a lot of these and her and Enid Blyton are just, you know, everybody talks about them, everybody, you know, they're just phenomenal to have been around that long and everybody's still reading their books and still thinks that they're the biggest influence. Is just amazing. Mm. Yeah. So it's a shame that they'll never know the impact that they still have now. No, exactly.
1: (laughs) You know. I mean, you think... They were successful in their own time, but to, to still be that successful and that to still be held up. I mean I think particularly Agatha Christie, I couldn't tell you a crime writer that doesn't list her as one of their biggest kind of inspirations or influences. So to have yeah, that, kind that of, yeah, to have that kind of impact that long after your death is amazing. So I mean that's just incredible. Yeah, um,
0: and what do you like to do when you're not writing or working?
1: Um, well, when we're not locked down <laughs> and we're allowed to go out, because at the mm. moment we can't, um, and we wouldn't want to anyway, because it is still pouring with rain. Um, we like to go for I like to go for walks along the beach, um, that sort of thing. We very lucky; we do live near some very nice beaches in Auckland. We've actually got the beach at the end of our road. I come out of my house and just walk down the road a little bit I can see the sea right down there so that's lovely I really like that um um, I like going out for meals um I love food (laughs) which you can probably tell more if this is a full length shot that I love food um I love cooking actually I really enjoy cooking and that sort of thing um I like watching movies that's well I'm reading well obviously I like traveling when the world opens up again we've got a long list of places that I want to go to Um, I loved Venice and Barcelona and Paris I'd love to go back to all of them someday Um, I've flown through Singapore so many times (laughs) flying between the UK and New Zealand I've never left the airport so, um, yeah, so when we can, when it all opens up and we can travel again, that's one of the things I'll look forward to getting back to doing. We'll actually get off the plane in Singapore and go and see Singapore. So, yeah, travelling, travelling, eating and sitting on the beach. Well, that's probably probably my main things, really. Uh, yeah, I was, um, if you're from London,
0: do you know Bedfordshire?
1: Not really. I'm a
0: Newton. South girl, so had kind of, of Luton
1: middle.
0: yeah yeah that's that's where I live yeah oh right yeah so we have no sea anywhere near us
1: at all <laughs> it's miles away so yeah that's yeah. something though. That yeah that sucks yeah yeah I mean I grew up in Mitcham, um right next to Streatham which most people have heard of Streatham and Croy and that and uh, yeah no sea there either um we had and Common, which had a few muddy ponds on it, um, and and flashes, um, so <laughs> that was as close as you could get to nature um, where I grew up. But um, yeah, I mean, we lived in Cornwall for a while. We lived in Saint Ives for a little while, and that was beautiful—the sea and everything there. The beach is absolutely gorgeous. So, you know, I mean, there are. We're sport for beaches here in New Zealand, but equally in England, and Wales and Scotland, the beaches there—some of them are absolutely gorgeous. But yes, you um, you can't see them from London, so or <laughs> from Bedfordshire, or from Bedfordshire. No,
0: <laughs> we're we're the only or one of the only doubly landlocked counties. So we have to travel through two counties to get to the sea.
1: Ah. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I suppose you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's rubbish. <laughs> oh, it just means when you do go to the beach, you've got to go for like a week or it's not worth
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can get to South End in like just over an hour and a half. So, yeah, South End. <laughs> well, you know,
1: you've got a nice pier.
0: Or a long pair, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that you walk to the end and there's nothing. It's pointless. Right. And you have to pay for the pleasure.
1: Yeah, and then you turn and walk back. Well, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and so anyway,
0: books. Books, <laughs> yes. Mm. Um, actually, no. I, well, I can't think of any more questions for you at the moment, unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked you that you wish to tell us.
1: Uh, not really. well I could tell you uh, that my new book which yes. is what we're supposed to be talking about and we just kind <laughs> of got sorry oh, right, didn't we yeah so my new book is a Christmas cosy murder mystery it's called in the UK it's called A Cornish Christmas Murder um, it's got a different title in the US in the US it's a murder under the mistletoe um, I don't know why but there you go, the vagaries of poverty. Um And it follows my main character, Jodie, whose nickname is Nosy, Jodie Parker. Um, she's an ex-copper. Um, she She's from Cornwall, but she moved to London and she lived in London and was in the Met for 20 years. After she got divorced, she took her teenage, took her teenage daughter back to Cornwall where she grew up um supposedly for a quiet life because she's quit the police force and she set up her own catering company um having a catering company means that she has the opportunity to travel around a little bit and to meet up with all sorts of different people and when trouble occurs which it always seems to she has real trouble keeping her nose out of it and um, this time is no exception she gets um ask to cater a big Christmas party in Ancient Abbey on Bodmin Moor. Uh, a big snowstorm strands, everyone there overnight. And of course the next day, a body is found. The police can't get through, down to Germany to investigate, hold the fort until the police can get to them. So that's what that's all about. That's out, um, that's supposed to be out tomorrow, the 1st of November, but it's um. Now actually going to be out on the 29th of November <laughs> in the book And then it's out a couple of weeks later in paper. And um, and it's fun. I think it's it's great fun. There's a little bit of romance in there, lots of laughs, and a twisty, twisty crime in it. So right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put
0: Get the link when, when I post, I'll put the link to it. Thank you very much. You're yes. very welcome. Um, so just before we go, would you like to just tell everyone where they can find out more about you, if they wish, and where they can get your books from? Yes.
1: yes. Well, my books are available at all good bookstores. Um, I think – I'm not sure if the paperbacks are actually in stores, but um, you can buy them through Amazon, WH Smith, Waterstones, all of those on their website, um, or in the US – Barnes and Noble, um, those, all, the, all the usual suspects, all the usual places. Um, you can find out more about me on my, my website, which is just fyodaleach.com, read really nice um, I'm on Twitter, FK Leach. Um, you can find me on there. I'm on Facebook, okay, just Fyodaleach. Um, and Instagram, everyone's on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok, I'm re- resisting TikTok. I'm on Instagram as well, which I think is at Leech Fiona. And, um, yes, I post a lot of nonsense. It's not always book-related. Quite often food or catch-related or beach-related, actually. Lots of pictures of beaches and things like that. So, yeah, so that's about me.
0: I might have to check. I'm following you on Insta, actually. I don't think I am. I think I'd notice.
1: Yeah, You'd you'd have seen lots of cake because um, I do like to make a good cake and um, lots of lots of cat pictures as well because <laughs> <laughs> I have two mad cats so yeah
0: well, awesome thank you very much and it's been fun
1: <laughs> yes it has great fun thank you for having me you're welcome <laughs> <laughs>